Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. Coming to you every week now for over a year, and so thrilled to be sharing our 61st podcast with you. Uh, As I mentioned last week, we received the unusual news that we are number 12 in popularity in podcasts uh, in self-improvement and education in Ghana, we've just been uh, told this week. So thank you and hello to all our listeners in Ghana and throughout the world and thrilled you're here with us on our weekly positivity podcast. All That Matters tries to reframe the way we look at things, either things that have happened to us recently, events in history, uh, or just our daily lives. Because in reframing, I found that we're able to drain away sometimes what we might call the pain or the poison and find the good stuff. And we all deserve that good stuff because life can be this good. And I'm looking forward to sharing more with you as we move on. One of the things that hit me this week is I happened to see a movie that I've absolutely loved for years and years. And perhaps you've seen it, heard of it, or if you haven't, perhaps you'll tune in now and check it out. I was shocked when I first saw it, uh, not only for the power uh, that it contained in a, in a film that had no science fiction, no special effects. It was simply about an Italian-American family in the lower uh, side of Manhattan and uh, Little Italy and and really was also about um, both the pain and the pathos uh, that we can find in love and ultimately uh, finding what's truly important uh, in the family. And it's about a husband who cheats on his wife and it's about a daughter who had some bad luck in life and, and is newly engaged, but not really for love, but just because she wants to... uh, you know, move on with her life and thinks her choices are being limited and uh, eventually goes to try to make peace between the older brother and the younger brother, the older brother she's marrying, and falls in love with the younger brother. Anyway, remarkable film uh, starring Cher, who won the Oscar for this role and really is stupendous in it. And the woman playing her mother, uh, the actress Olympia Dukakis, um won the best supporting actress and deserved it big time uh just fell in love with her and the writer of the piece john patrick shanley who's a wonderful playwright uh has written a number of pieces but john um wrote this and won the oscar for it and so well informed so beautiful so human and there is a by the way olympia dukakis uh, some people know it's a little piece of trivia, happened to be uh, related to Michael Dukakis, who at the time was about to run for president of the United States against George Bush uh, Sr. So uh, it was a very interesting uh, time, and she's uh, carries with her such a, a, a regalness to her and yet a long-suffering, a sense of long-suffering in her role uh, playing the mother because her husband Vincent Gardenia is cheating on her and she knows that someone her daughter says uh, she says pop is cheating she says how do you know mom she says 
a wife knows. So that was the first, you know, it was just kind of the way she said it. And I thought, wow, that is so, so true. When you know somebody, you live with someone, you know when something's off or something's different. But it's something that the mom says later in the, in the movie where Vincent Gardenia, her husband, is off uh, cheating with his mistress. And she's left alone that evening. Her daughter is off on a date at the opera, uh, falling in love with the younger brother. Uh, uh, the, the man she was set to marry, uh, played by Danny Aiello. But Vince, uh, uh, Olympia Dukakis's role, the mother's role, she goes off to have dinner by herself in a little neighborhood Italian restaurant. And she witnesses a middle-aged man in a fight with his young a woman, young enough to be his daughter, but who he's obviously out on a date with. And she is arguing with him and challenging him, gets up, throwing a glass of water in his face and leaving. And she witnesses this humiliation and I suppose feeling humiliated herself invites him over for dinner just so they both won't be alone. And he tries to explain himself away. I'm a little ashamed, he says. And she says, you're a little boy and you just want to be naughty. And she basically tells him who he is and he admits to it. He he admits to having flings with students of his at NYU where he teaches and that they only last for a few weeks and they take away his loneliness but that they quickly see that he's kind of wasted gas bag who's out of energy out of ideas out of creativity but every once in a while some young student hears it for the first time his spiel as he says and they fall in love thinking this is all new to them they quickly realize that uh their whole lives are in front of them and mine is behind me. And she basically tells him, you know, there's a different way to live, I suppose, but she uh, makes it very clear that, you know, she disapproves, but okay, at least they can share dinner together. And he walks, he warms up to her, he just loves the camaraderie of being with her, walks her to her home, and he says, it's kind of cold out here, Uh, I suppose can't come in or could I and she says no and then he quickly responds oh because there are people there and um you'd be embarrassed and she says no you can't come in because I'm married because I know who I am when I heard Olympia Dukakis speak those lines because I know who I am something went off in me and I don't know if it's like that for you, but I hear a line in, a, in the theater or in film or in a great speech. I hear a line. It carries such a power and such a truth. It takes my breath away. It's the way I feel when I'm on top of a mountain, which I've been in the past, and witnessed a sunrise or, or a sunset uh, or a moment of nature that just takes your breath away. For me, the theater can do that and, and is most powerful. Or a line in a book. It just speaks to you. And I think why it spoke so powerfully to me and maybe to perhaps many others is because we all want to have that self-assurance that we know who we are, that we know who we are. Eric Erickson, uh, the analyst and therapist who for years um, 
worked out of uh, the Riggs Psychiatric Center in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, wrote a powerful book about knowing yourself and, and about therapy, um, and happened to have been friends and therapists to Norman Rockwell, uh, said, the more you know yourself, the more patience you have for what you see in others. That interesting. I find that we're often, many of us, impatient. I know I am. And and Eric Erickson gives me a, a silver lining here to the power of knowing yourself, that when you know yourself well enough, you have more patience for what you see in others. If we'd like more patience, perhaps we need to know ourselves more, have more patience with ourselves, I suppose. And Socrates suggested a way to do this. He said, to find yourself, think for yourself. To find yourself, think for yourself. Six little words, but very powerful. Instead of spouting somebody else's ideas, instead of speaking or, you know, repeating the words that you've heard or read somewhere else, which is a lot of the world right now, constantly everyone echoing somebody else, somebody else. Um, Think for yourself. And that's a pathway to finding yourself. So that to me is also an avenue to to authenticity, but that's that's so powerful. (laughs) Oscar Wilde had a humorous way to look at this whole thing. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. <laughs> so I, I I think that that's, you know, we can laugh at ourselves too. Trying to behave like someone else. Trying, you know, oftentimes it's the teenager will make fun of uh, secretly saying, oh, look at them. They're trying to mimic what they heard here or what they saw there. Or perhaps they're mimicking us. But the truth is that we do very similar things. We watch talking heads and we repeat or act like that or find ourselves in a conversation and, you know, basically spouting, you know, just some loop that we've heard somewhere. I love that, Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And another humorous look at it was uh, the columnist Ann Landers who wrote, Know Yourself. Don't accept your dog's admiration as conclusive evidence that you are wonderful. I think that's terrific. I think that this Olympia Dukakis line, this was actually written by John Patrick Shanley in Moonstruck, stays with me so strongly. Again, because I think it reminds me of the the people in my life who I've met, who I feel do know themselves, and the people who know themselves, you know, carry with them such a measure of authenticity, carry, but there's a power to their words. You listen just a little more carefully. People who know themselves. And that's why it's uh, so incredible, um, you know, that Moonstruck also tells us a little bit about the madness of love that we can fall in love or be in love and and do things that we might not do the rest of the year antics i remember when i fell in love with my wife my my best friend reminds me of this i stood on my head 
Uh, I remember standing up. Now that's something I would never do. But I did it one night, um, laughing and showing my friend David, I guess, the way I felt. It sort of reminds me of Tom Cruise jumping up on the couch, not to compare myself in any way, other than that he jumped up on the couch when I remember some talk show when he had just fallen in love with someone, and he was just sort of giddy with that. Uh, Allen Ginsberg, the uh, poet, once said, follow your inner moonlight, don't hide the madness. But sometimes we do get lost in madness, and Henry David Thoreau said, not only, not until we are lost do we begin to understand ourselves. Not until we are lost do we begin to understand ourselves. You know, the... Um, there's a, a, a wonderful poet from the middle of the 20th century, uh, Theodore Retka, who said, should we say the self once perceived becomes the soul? If we truly know ourselves, do we then enter into the realm of the soul where we know the soul of ourselves? His poem, The Waking, begins, I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I feel my fate in what I cannot fear. I learn by going where I have to go. I think in those few lines we learn a little about self-knowledge. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. Perhaps we're a little groggy, and perhaps that's a metaphor for our lives. We wake only to find ourselves half asleep, and slowly it takes us a while to, to wake up, or one might say to become enlightened. You feel your fate in what you cannot fear, what you cannot be afraid of. You can look at yourself clearly without fear. I learn by going where I have to go. We know there are things we need to do, and it's our ability to uncover. Uncover ourselves in the doing. Should we say the self once perceived becomes the soul? As Lao Tzu said, he who knows others is wise. He who knows himself is enlightened. I wish you this week more enlightenment, more knowing yourself, perhaps wishing that you too, that all of us could be a little bit more moonstruck, that we find the mystery and the laughter and the light in love that in so doing become more of who we are meant to be until next week i'm jan goldstein and this is all that matters